to be glad in. So we are glad. We are rejoicing. Just as you rejoice over us, we rejoice over you. So we thank you, Father, for the people assembled here. And we pray for those people who are yet to come, Father. We ask you to draw them from your precious Holy Spirit. Father, we will pray for them. We will intercede that you might move in this place, in this neighborhood. And we claim this neighborhood for your kingdom. We lay uh, our feet upon this ground and we establish that you are Lord over this neighborhood. So we thank you, Lord, for drawing the people to you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about living in the now. Living in the now. There's always this uh, spirit, you know, whenever God uh, moves, the enemy has a counter current that he likes to draw into the picture. And um, especially during times when <clears throat> God's spirit is alive and, and moving and blessing people, drawing people toward one another in peace and uh, we pray for our congress that they would be in peace and that they would get this bill passed so that we can uh, protect our country and and you know something they've been promising for decades now uh it's 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 been said um by people who are have are in government worked in certain areas of government that the people of this country do not uh have a voice anymore simply because the way our government now runs, um, the people who have the voice are the people who have money. Uh, special interest groups, lobbyists, uh, different people have taken the place of the voice of we the people. And what happens is the politicians come to us when they need votes and promise all kinds of things uh, but are slow on delivery or don't deliver at all so the fact that uh, the the wall was approved 30 years ago and hasn't been built yet is a testament to to that system and so one of the things our current president is trying to do is is uh diminish the effect of the lobbyists on the nation they shouldn't be able to if you ever go to congress you'll see people sitting in the uh, corridor waiting to talk to the different congressmen and there are seldom any just average citizens there most of them have briefcases uh, they even have a staff lobbyists have offices in washington they have a staff the staffs of the lobbyists write most of the bills that are presented before congress in Anymore. They are not written by the congressman and their assistants. They are handed to them by lobbyists because this is what we want to see happen so that we can do this and we can do that. And so it's easy for a government to get off track and to get into a place where it does not help the people anymore. And so it's, it's having that understanding that we as as people who are citizens here uh, have to really understand how how to live for God and how to have God move in our lives how to be consistent with God how to love God and so forth and so on and so uh there's so many missed opportunities in our lives because we tend to procrastinate and put things off it's a common habit uh starting from our our uh, government officials on down to 
we the people uh, to just always live in this future place somewhere somewhere one day we'll get around to this but we can't do it now because and so that is a spirit that affects people because it's picked up by different individuals where we procrastination becomes kind of normal Amen. And so the spirit of, of giving and the spirit of love and, and compassion and unity that the, the, that God sends to the earth during this time is also countered by a counter spirit, uh, a spirit of anxiety, a spirit of fear, a spirit of antichrist, where people want to fight uh, Chris- Christians, they want to fight God, they want to fight anything good that, that comes with this spirit. So the enemy always mounts up a counter uh, spirit to God's Holy Spirit in the spirit of fellowship. We talked about that yesterday about the spirit of, of community and fellowship and, and Christian fellowship that invites all men into Christ. And so what the enemy constantly does try to push people away from God and no you can't cooperate and no Christmas is wrong you know now you know you look on Facebook everybody has a well December 25th isn't really Christ's birthday listen Annie Christ we we heard that argument when we were baby Christians and we already shot that devil so it doesn't work on us huh I celebrate that he's alive every day so I don't need a special day. I thank God for Christmas because it allows other people to be aware of who Christ is and that we honor him. But I would never do anything to dishonor God. I don't care if it's not nitpicking when his real birthday is. And nobody knows what it is anyway. So we just have to move on. When you get to heaven, you can he can tell you when what day his birthday is. So, you know, I'm sure they'll be celebrating it there. So, uh, but anyway, we have to be careful as believers to stay with the Spirit of God and what God is doing. And to, in, in churches, especially need to set an example of love and fellowship and giving. All of those things at all times, but especially at, at Christmas time. And so, uh, we, we need to understand that, that there is help for us to stay in the right flow of the Spirit of God at all times, but especially during Christmas, we get a lot of help with, with focusing on God. It takes a lot of effort to not feel good around Christmas time. It just really does. You you have to go through great lengths to fight this thing, uh, but you know some people do, and and it's not hard for people because they're people who are in different uh, frames of mind. People um, have different memories about Christmas. Of course, people who uh, suffered a loss during a Christmas or suffered a death in the family, uh, you know. It, it, the devil starts, you know, this is a hard time for people uh, who have have suffered loss. Well, if you suffered a loss, it could be hard for you any day of the week. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, if it catches up with you, uh, I mean, you know, so seriously, if, if you wish to let your mind go there, it can be tough. Sometimes things you don't plan, uh, situations come up that trigger memories, you know, that put you in a, a certain frame of mind where God has to come and rescue you out of that and help you to get back in your joy again. But we, we have to uh, always be mindful 
that there is a life that is uh, worth living in the now and is that that focus on living in the now is what we we need to focus on so if we're attuned to living in the now we're either planning some kind of celebration for the holiday or if you're not planning a group celebration you can't get out or you're not invited out or you just want to have a quiet day you want to have prayer you want to have worship you just want to celebrate God privately then you'll probably text some people you'll probably call some people and, and remind some people say Merry Christmas to somebody but everybody reaches out because there's something in this now moment that God wants us to be uh, participate in and so that we can always have his life because it's a now life it's not always off in the future somewhere I think sometimes we get so future focused as believers, you know, because there's always something we're praying for, always something we're waiting on God to do, always a request on the altar, always something. And so because we have the ability to pray and project off into the future or we have the ability uh, to pray and expect and believe certain things uh, it's easy to get a delay uh, mentality where everything that you are looking forward to is not here in the now it's off somewhere in the future or we can be victims of the past where certain events that have happened uh, tend to dominate our thinking. And, and so uh, it, it's, it can be a life that is not a now life. It's not an enjoyable life in the now. So how we feel about our now has much to do with our future. The now is very important. There are things that say, for instance... If you are expecting to be a doctor right now, uh, one day, your now should include some kind of education toward that, some kind of preparation. So your now, uh, events and your now, uh, uh, activities may be preparatory for future things. But that does not mean that you cannot enjoy your now life. For instance, when I went to, when I was in school, you know, I, there was a girl that you could go up to her any time of the, any time of the day or night and ask her how many days we had left to, before we could graduate. And I mean from day one. When we, we first year, day one, first year in the program, she could tell you how many days and hours and so forth. Uh, because she was so much looking forward to getting rid of this nonsense that we do every day. And that was one, one, uh, attitude. And then there were some, some people that enjoyed certain classes and they looked forward to class and they looked forward to this, that, and the other. Uh, and so they were more now oriented because, but she wasn't, she didn't seem to be suffering in the now, but you can always enjoy your now more if you take a different attitude and a different approach to it. But it was, she was kind of a fun person to have around. She did graduate. She didn't quit because she had that goal set before her. She knew exactly when she was going to get released from the prison that we were in as students. So, you know, we, we just had to do those things. 
But there was always a now situation that you could focus on. Uh, when I got into nursing school, we had, uh, you know, clinical, uh, activities as well as, uh, you know, classroom activities. And so sometimes the clinical made the now that was boring in the classroom more tolerable. And so there's always this place to escape to. To enjoy your now while you're waiting on something to come along in the future. You're waiting on your future to get here. And so I think God wants us to, to feel the now, uh, excitement all the time, uh, and, and not believe that we cannot enjoy our now and we don't have a life to live in the now even though there are some things that we are anticipating in the future in other words you can't make your future so important and so big that it overshadows your life you know you can put a cloud over your head or you can let the sunshine in and it just depends on your attitude and your view and how you are looking at things whether or not your your cloud is there for you every day because you you can't really enjoy life until you get this certain thing accomplished or this certain thing happens for you or this certain activity comes along you have to learn that there is a now place for enjoyment there's a now place for accomplishment there is a now place for everything that is important in life because God has created the now for us to enjoy so don't let the fact that you are praying and believing God for something or you are dreaming of something to occur or you have a wish out there that you want to see happen uh, you or you're able to fashion your life you know we're able to construct our life based on um, the things that we desire so don't let the blessings that God has given us that can create a better life for us eliminate us from enjoying our life in the now we have to understand there is a future life that we're headed toward and there is a now life that God has given us to enjoy he's giving it to us to um uh um occupy us and there are things to learn from God all the time so you can say your now experiences have to do with learning as much as they have to do with obtaining and achieving so how we feel about the now has a lot to do with our future and your now life is very important how proverbs 13:12 says hope deferred makes the heart sick i think i'll i'll read that and then it says when the promise comes it becomes a fountain of life and so it, it's possible to live in a state of continual heart sickness uh if you're not <clears throat> If you're not in faith for the now. See, faith has to do with things that you do right now. It really doesn't have, uh, it's a now spirit. It's a now, uh, experience. Um, there is a contentment, uh, and a confidence that it brings that you experience in your now. So even though faith is the substance of something that you hope to see happen or you hope to obtain in the future, there is a now 
present element of it because it resides in your heart by faith. These things are actually our possessions in the now. And so whenever you pray for something, the Bible says if you're going to get it, you have to believe you've received it when you pray. You can't look at receiving it in the future. And so that helps your now. Because if you believe you've got it now, what difference does it make when it comes? Except when the devil reminds you it ain't here yet. And so that's that's where the difference is. When you get reminded by your flesh man that you haven't seen it in the natural realm as yet, that's when your hope gets, gets, uh, uh, that's when you can get heart sick about things that haven't come yet. So our now can be one of heart sickness or it can be one full of joy and the fruit of the spirit if we learn to live in the now. So it's important that we not put our lives on hold because we haven't obtained certain things from God. Because you haven't gotten that the biggie, as we used to say. You know, the one thing in the world that if you don't get it, you'll just collapse. You know, there's always that element in everybody's thinking uh, once that problem becomes known to us. Uh, say, for instance, if you have a, uh, uh, if, if you miss an opportunity uh, for uh, the career that you always wanted, uh, you can, you can ask God, you know, God, can I, can I get a second chance at that? You know, uh, you know, now that I know the Lord, all things are possible to him who believes. So I want a second chance at that. And that's like the big thing in your life. And many people put all of their marbles in one basket on that big thing happening for them. Amen. Uh, you know, it, it's like, say for instance, people who have a chronic illness. They can either be sick all the time and live in a sick mentality or they can look forward to a day or two without symptoms so they can enjoy life. And so it's these intermittent periods of of rest from the enemy's onslaught and so, or certain things like that. Um, they can mean everything to people and and they can be utilized by people a great deal. But if your mind is always in, well I shouldn't get too, you know, geared up into doing something with my life because after all I have X, Y, and Z disease or whatever, uh, you know, you won't be able to uh, encourage yourself and enjoy the now, the, the life that you have. Many times people just shortchange themselves because they don't have everything they think one should have in order to be content. And I think if you learn how to live in contentment, let contentment be your dwelling place and these little bouts of 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 sickness or what symptoms or whatever it is you might have to contend with until your healing totally uh, totally comes through uh if you can minimize on that your life is better you, there's more quality to it you can do more things with it 
um, you can know that that prayer will get answered if you live in the fact that that prayer will get answered. In other words, it's answered now by faith, and at some point it's going to come to the full fruit and the full manifestation of what it is that you're believing God for. So you really, in order to master this, you have to live like that every day. You have to live in faith every day. You can't take a day off from from expecting good things. You can't take a day off from expecting God to do exceeding and abundantly beyond all you ask or think. You can't take a day off from that. Because every day that you take off, then you're you're subject to what the natural realm has to offer you and there's no hope there all of the the values and all of the conditions and all of the assets of the spirit are available to us all the time by faith we don't have to wait for something to happen we're not waiting for god to do this or waiting for god to do that one of the the tragedies i think in life and and i see this in christians as well as unbelievers is this idea that you can't be happy unless you have certain things in your life. People who live like that are are most miserable because that thing that they're looking for never comes. Now people say things like, well, uh, when I get a good job and I can buy this and buy that and buy that, then, then I'll really have it made and then I, you know, I can be happy. I can relax. I'll be glad when you ever say that to yourself. I'll be glad when I get so and so and such and such. Well really what you're saying is that you're living in the material realm and not in the spirit realm. And your life really is in the spirit realm. There's no life in the material realm. There's just things. There's events. There's occurrences. But these things are not life. Amen. They may be brought here by life, like your prayers have life in them, and they can bring certain things into your life. But once the things are here, they're just things. They're not life. Your life is 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 the force that brought it to you. See, and if we live in life and we live in the spirit of life, then we will be far better able to uh, appreciate every day that God gives us and enjoy our now life. So, so it's important not to put your life on hold. Don't put your joy on hold. Don't put your happiness on hold while you're believing God for the desires of your heart. You can be joyless, full of fear, and full of negative fruit if you don't, if you try and live in that future realm all the time. It's gonna get better and, uh, it's not good now and even when there are good things happening, sometimes we don't know how to enjoy them in the now. Um, one of the, the tricks of poverty is wastefulness. And I've seen that happen that people who don't know how to master their lives, uh, the, the sense of lack and the mentality of lack, if that's really driving your life, uh, you'll live a life where, uh, you'll, you'll long for certain things to happen and God will bring some things your way. But when they come, you don't know how to manage them. And you'll tend to squander them. And see what God does is he 
is teaching us how to master life and not let it master us. He's more interested in how you manage your life than he is on you acquiring things. And I think once we really get that in our heads and understand that when we're praying for things, God hears us, but he's after one thing and we're after something else. He's after totally the spiritual aspect of it. He could care less about the natural. That's why he'll give people, uh, you know, expensive things over and over again and, and doesn't even blink an eye. But he's interested in the spirit of that person and what drives that person and how that person got to that point and what he is doing to develop their spirit and develop their character because the Bible plainly states that we are called to conform to the image of Christ. We're not called to acquire things and they're not the same thing. Your faith is not a reflection. Your, your acquiring of material things is never a reflection of what your faith is. Never. The fact that you, you can get an instant healing for yourself is, is an example of how you manage your life and it's not that you have great faith or little faith or mediocre. It's not, your faith isn't graded that way. Uh, your faith is graded based on what is God telling you to use your faith for and are you accomplishing that? And so living in the now, keeps us focused on what God is focused on and that is how are we developing in our inner man how are we uh responding to the plan of God for our lives what are we doing that is uh, proving God to be God in our lives on a day-to-day basis God has plans for us every day the Bible says he has made each day for us to rejoice and have gladness in it it is not made to uh, um, uh, fear it's not made to uh, fear the past it's not made to dwell in the past it's not made to uh, anticipate evil uh, it's made to anticipate good you know I mean to rejoice and be glad you're not there's nothing evil in that there's nothing uh, no accidents no mishaps no nothing in that prescription it's only meant for us to be glad and rejoice in so when we understand the the now aspect you know what is God telling you to do now what is before you right now what is it that you need to set your hand to right now that God is is wanting you to accomplish that he is going to make your heart glad is going to cause you to have great things to occur in your life what's going on now that God wants you to take care of and he wants you to uh, respond to so in Zephaniah three seventeen, it says that God rejoices over us with singing amen he rejoices over us with singing so if we receive his joy we will live every day in divine fulfillment so you will live in the now and you will have every good thing that the now provides for you and you'll have a day of divine fulfillment and we will allow ourselves to grow in God's fruit 
So if we'll receive the joy that he has, remember joy is an overcoming fruit of the Spirit. Joy is for people who have made up their minds that they don't have a care in the world, that they're not going to sit up and dwell and lament and and, uh, be fearful for the future. You know, one of the, one of my favorite, uh, scriptures, Proverbs 31, uh, it says that, uh, the, the virtuous woman laughs at her future. In other words, she didn't have a care in the world. If somebody says, oh, you're gonna need this and you're gonna need that, she just, oh, don't worry about it. God's got this. You understand what I'm saying? He's got me and He's got my future. And so when you can laugh at your future, and not be fearful. You know, it is sometimes you, you've had bad relationships with people and, and you think about it and you want to get that straightened out. Or you hear that, that, you know, they call you or something like that and you go, oh boy, look who's called, wonder what they want. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the virtuous person doesn't do that. They laugh at their future because they know that God's in control of it. Okay, so we had a bad interaction this time. Well, we're just the next one's going to be better you know what i'm saying because god's got your future so you don't have to fear anything when you know how to use your now time and your now because there's something god wants you to accomplish in the now it doesn't have to always be running out passing out tracks and and doing this and doing that even though that's good but there are certain things god needs to have you accomplish he's trying to teach us things about his kingdom how to live in his kingdom how to appreciate his kingdom how to really be a part of what God is doing. So I think it's wonderful to focus in on what God has going for us. I remember when I was at home when before I, I really was healed from that mental uh, depression, I can remember just being at home all the time. I wasn't real crazy about going out. I, you know, went out when I was necessary. And so, but many times I would say, well, you know, God, I'm here. Now what do I do with the time that I'm here? You know, what do you want me? And I found out that God had a lot for me to do. He had his word for me to study. There were things, little projects that I would take upon myself to help myself to heal and to uh, be more like a normal person, you know, uh, in my mind and in my emotions and in every way. So there is something, and I think that healing is necessary for everybody. I don't think there's anybody who gets saved and doesn't have problems that need to be healed or or relationships that need to be healed, anything like that. That's an ongoing thing. And that's what now living will help us to do. It will help us to get those things straightened out and ironed out uh, to the glory of God. So it, it, it also to live in the now really means to to live discovering God and his plan for us. Okay, so God, I'm upset that that my husband left me, and I'm I'm believing for him to come back, and we'll be reconciled. But you know, if it doesn't happen today, what am I going to do with my day today? So God has a plan for your day today, and what He wants to do is have us discover Him and His plan for us. Where do we fit in? In the God scheme of things. Where do we fit in. In his overall picture of plan. Where do we. Is it true that God as big as he is. Considers me as small as I feel I am. 
is it true that God wants me to do the same things that Jesus did? He considers me his child just like he did his only begotten son. Uh, if that's true, what does that mean for me today? You understand? It? Well, see, we're talking about internal things. We're not talking about material things. So your now life has more to do with internal things than it has to do with the biggie you think you're waiting on. That you, you think you can't survive if God doesn't give it to you. If you look back when you first started to pray for certain things, you found out that you weren't believing the truth. You thought it was going to kill you to have to wait for X number of years, but you're still here. Amen. You're still serving God. You're still alive. You have your moments of contentment and joy. Not as many as you'd like, but you're working on it. Amen. So his plan is larger than the promise that we're waiting for. As big as you think that is in your life. His plan is larger than the biggie or the promise that we think we're waiting for. And if you think about it, over the years, the your thinking about what you're waiting for has changed. It used to be the biggest thing in your life. And now it's kind of small. You know, it's, it'll work out okay. I'm sure it'll work out okay. I mean, I've been living, I've been surviving, I've been accomplishing for God and all these things. Think what you might have done had the biggie come earlier. Oh, don't let me think about that, Barb. <laughs> Why you gotta bring up stuff like that? Well, because everything that God has planned for us is on a timer. It's set to go off at a certain time. From day one when you pray, it's set to manifest at a certain time. It will not happen before. God knows that if he gives you things to do, you're going to be upset because you got to do them. You're going to pout and you're going to whine and you're going to do this and do that until he breaks you of that and, and gets you to see that you have to live a life You can't let your life hinge on one promise happening or one thing that you think God should do for you. Think of all the people that have come and gone that you've known since you've been a Christian. Think of the ones that just go backslide, don't serve God anymore, uh, all that kind of stuff. You might wonder what it is, and I'll tell you what it is. It's a discipline, it's a heart sickness that they get because they're expecting something. And they've got God on their schedule instead of getting on God's schedule. So living in the now helps us to get on God's schedule and get in agreement with his schedule for for the things that we desire. Rather than pining away for them. Rather being disappointed and discouraged about them. Rather than taking a negative attitude and, and being upset most of the time. Because of that. And so we have to know that now activities are, are, are geared around synchronizing us with God's plan for us for this period of time. His plan is much larger than your biggie. That portion is often a small part of what he has in store for us. 
So what's the big thing in your life that you think you can't live without? You've been hanging on a thread every week, coming to church from week to week, just barely getting here because you don't have it. It's a very small part of what God has in store for us. He expects us to act that way. He expects us to, over a period of time, change our view of how important certain things are to us. Once those things kind of diminish in importance to us, we're almost locked in to where God is. Because he sees our life as a series of good things. It's not just one thing that's going to make or break us, make us happy, or leave us uh, discontent. It's a series of many things. And so once God gets a hold of our hearts and he gets us to, he gets, we, we begin to focus on him the way he wants us to. Then we'll start to learn how to manage our lives before God. Luke 17.21 tells us that the kingdom is within us. So that's where he lives and that's where he wants us to live. In the kingdom that's within. So while we're waiting for the biggie that we ask God for. We're entitled and expected to live with him in his kingdom. That is within us. So if God is your portion. You have no lack. If you allow God to be what he wants to be to you. You will not experience lack. Which means that. Even though, say for instance, if you're looking for God to financially bless you or prosper you or give you a, a good career, etc., etc., He, He will, once you start living from the kingdom within, He will start helping you to learn how to manage your finances so that you don't experience lack in the natural either. Cause you're rich on the inside already. Problem is we don't live there enough to understand the wealth that we are and the wealth that we have. And so this outer discontentment will force you either to stay unhappy or it will force you to come to God and tell him you can't stand yourself anymore and you need a change. And so once you come to that place, see that's a now activity, that's living in the now. Living in the now is understanding how you relate emotionally to your circumstances. How do, what do you view your situation as being? How do you see yourself in life? What do you think of yourself? What do you think of the place where you are? Do you think everybody's got something but me? Or, you know, life could be better. Or this always happens to me. Or I don't know what's, you know, going on here and it just never seems to work out for me. Are you a victim? Or are you living in a place of contentment with God? And so you make a choice every day. Living in the now means you choose to live in his kingdom with him and experience life through his eyes and enjoy the fruit of the spirit or are you living in the natural realm angry depressed upset because of what you lack when the psalm 23 says the lord is my shepherd i have no lack i want for nothing that means that if god is in charge of your life you experience a fulfillment 
and a fullness that only he can provide for you and there's no room for experiencing lack in that. Like for instance, I don't have a car right now. My poor dear car died after 22 years of faithful service. I know, I know. But I rarely think about it. I don't have a car. I don't have a car up here. I don't have a car in Ohio. I use have cars everywhere. Now I don't have nothing. But am I sitting up wondering when it's going to happen, where it's going to happen, where it's going to come? Let's pray for it. Let's confess it every five minutes. You got to get it here. Got to get it. Get it. Because I have a now life that God has carved out for me. That car will get here when it gets here. That car will be here and serve me like the other one did when it gets here. You understand me? I'm not concerned about, oh, I gotta get this done. I gotta get, I'm looking for God to make my life easier every day. I'm looking for the easy burden and the light yoke. I'm looking for his word to come to pass in my life. I'm not looking for things. I got to find things because on Tuesday I got to show up with stuff for people. You understand what I'm saying? But uh, aside from that, um, I'm really not. I just depend on God to minute by minute show me what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not supposed to be fretful about anything. I'm not supposed to be worried about bills. I'm not supposed to be worried about provision. I'm not supposed to be worried about any of that. Nothing. And so in the now, I have no worries. In the now, I have no cares. In the now, I'm not giving myself, giving God an ultimatum about something he's promised me. In the now, I'm seeking, what what do I need to do with you right now, God? How can I please you? What what do what's your plan? What's the plan for today? What's up today, God? What do you want done? And so when we understand the now aspect of our lives, not so much the promises and the blessings and the even though they are wonderful, they don't hold a candle to your now relationship with God. The now fellowship that you have with the Holy Spirit, the now aspect of what you can do to please God. It, it just, it has nothing to do with that. The two aren't even related. In fact, you can take that promise and say, God, um, I thank you for it and I know you're going to bring it to me at due season. You know, and instead of trying to kill yourself, confessing to death, and, and I believe in confessing, when your faith starts to wane, you need to build up your faith for that thing again. You got me? You don't want to get discouraged and quit on your promise, but that's the main reason for your confession, to help you not to quit. It's not to, to convince God that you want it. He knows he gave it to you already. In fact, if it weren't for him, that thought would never have come to you. Amen. So we need to understand this about God. So the now is not outward, but it's inward. There are inward things that God is doing in us in the now. He's working all the time. 
even in difficult circumstances, we can have joy and allow God's plan to unfold day by day, anticipating good, anticipating every day to have rejoicing and gladness. Amen. We have within us a well that springs up into everlasting life. So in the now, part of your now activities is to draw from that well. Even though your circumstances may say you should be doing something else. You're to draw from that well. You need water to drink every day. You need the Holy Spirit's uh, edification every day. So praying in the Holy Spirit every day is a must if you're going to live in the now. See, you can choose now living or you can choose past, living in the past or living in the future. Yeah. I'll be glad when. That's an expression of living in the future and living for the future. You have to live in the now. When I think about decisions, good decisions that are made to live in the now, I think about Joseph. Now he had a choice. He could choose to live in the past and dwell on his childhood, his imprisonment by his brothers, missing his father and the rest of his and his younger brother Benjamin. They had the same mother. Or he could live in the future. Of his dreams. And what did it mean that his family would bow to him. All of that. There are many people who can't get their now together. For living either in the past or future. Facebook is full of would be ministers. Who got a dream like Joseph did. Or got a prophecy. Or have a vision Of being somebody. But they don't know how to live in the now. Because many of them are not that right now. But they're trying to assume that office. Assume that position. And they have not lived enough now. To prepare themselves to get to where that vision said they were going to be. So they just assume they're there. This is part of the religious spirit. That the enemy visits on the church. He's constantly pushing people. Oh you could do that. Oh she don't know more word than you. Well you get up there and you you got all them nice robes you wear. And them nice clothes you wear. You, you know you look like a preacher. You understand what I'm saying? And so your now can be wasted away in Putting together a false future for yourself. Or you can spend your now preparing yourself for a real future. So if we live with God every day, then we're preparing ourselves for a real future. Many people, uh, you know, I know when when God called me to the ministry, the first thing I asked them, I said, well, who's going to teach me how to be a minister, God? I mean, who's going to train me and how am I going to do this and what am I going to do? And and he didn't answer me right away. 
them right away answers are seldom God. Because what God will do is when he knows you're sincerely asking. See, sometimes you'll ask something and then your mind will start to think about things you can do to put it together. You understand what I'm saying? And so many people have ministries that have come together like that. And they can get a lot of people. And they can get on television. They collect a lot of money. But does that ministry validate the call that they feel they have? And or, if they didn't get a legitimate call, is God the one who's orchestrating those things? Does it have God's handprint on it? Does it have God's trademark on it? Amen. And so that's how we know the difference. We know people by their fruit. Amen. And so if the fruit doesn't validate that God's handprint is on it, they have no doubt squandered some of their now time or some of their now in fruitless activities. So squandering your now and fruitless activities can mean going from place to place and meeting to meeting, not really uh, submitting anywhere and being faithful to God so that God can elevate you in due season. There's a due season for everything. And so many times people squander their now in discontentment and running around looking for things to do and things to get involved in. That's why you see so many people prophesying on Facebook. They're looking for people to influence. You know, it used to be they go steal sheep out of somebody's church. Well, you don't have to do that now. You just go and goof people up on Facebook. <laughs> you know, this is for somebody. They, I don't know who this is for. Well, don't write it down then. If God can't tell you that, you ever hear a prophet in the Bible go around and say, I don't know who this is for, but... uh <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? So that's not even scriptural. So, you know, we've just turned it up. The the devil's doing the same work, in other words. He's squandering people's now so that they can have a fake future. Something that they have conjured up. Something that they pretend that is valid. Something that they think is going to work for them. So he's kind of got them got them back to the same he's cornered them in the same corral that they would be in if they were like church troublemakers church splitters you know people like that so now they can goof people up in in you know online so anyway but joseph made the decision to do neither of these he neither focused on his past nor tried to project himself into his future Trouble with the past is it will it will discourage you from from even trying to dream of a better future. And if you're too invested in the future, you won't be able to live in the now. And you'll tend to want to hasten things to happen in the now because you're not engaged in your now activities. So Joseph, we see his story starting in Genesis 37. So if you want to turn there, please turn there and follow along. You can follow loosely along because I'm part of the story I'll have to just tell from memory. The other part I can point out some key scriptures. But Joseph was uh, sold to Potiphar, 
That was his now. He had envisioned a place where uh, he dreamed he would be an authority in his family. And this upset things in the family. Many times when God steps into something, the natural order is disturbed. So that's not unusual. Uh, when God tells you something, it doesn't mean it's smooth sailing from then on. It usually means some kind of disturbance. So the natural was kind of disturbed. Because Joseph decided to live in the now, he went to work and committed himself to learning. He was a favorite child, a favorite child, and he was a younger of all the siblings. So the chances that he had much skill or much experience doing a lot of things was pretty rare. Plus his father loved him better than all the other kids and that made the other kids mad. So he's probably uh, not been allowed to do a lot of say physical work, manual labor. Joseph is more like a suit and tie kind of guy. And so here he is as a slave. That's the lowest place you can be as a worker. You have no rights. You have no say so in everything. But he went to work for Potiphar. The one thing that it seems he had learned in his father's house was how to connect with God. Because if he received dreams from God, it's possible that he had a relationship with God. God sometimes will will speak to you um, in simple things first and then move up to more complex things. This dream was something that was kind of earth shattering. It would change the world when it came to pass. And so it's a little safe to assume that was that was not the first time God had spoken to him and wasn't the first time he had had a dream. And knew it was God. So we assume he had some knowledge of God. Now his father was a worshiper of God. So he understood how to connect with God. Through sacrifices and offerings. He knew all of that stuff. Because he'd observed it. Probably took it in. Because his father loved him. He loved his father. And that's how kids learn. Uh, They learn through loving. And through love. And so anyway. Living in the now often includes learning things. In fact, that is all that you do in the now. You learn and then you put into practice what you have learned. So when Joseph was sold to Potiphar, he went to work and learned the job at God's direction. So we can assume that Joseph was able to keep relationship with God because he really needed God at this point. So he learned the job. If he had any bouts of discouragement and heart sickness, they didn't dominate. So you can have episodes of, of, you know, discontentment, but then you encourage yourself in the Lord and you come out of it. You know, they don't last. When your, when your focus is the now, these periods don't last. You don't need distractions all the time from your life routine. You can focus on the important things and what God wants to bring in your life. You know, many times people 
develop a pattern of life where they come in, turn the TV on right away. You know, they got some noise. Some Somebody's entertaining them all the time. But where's your time for God? See, can't you be silent sometime in case he does want to speak to you? He's barging on top of your TV stuff, you know. And so in this culture, in most cultures around the world now, people have TV everywhere. But that is a common practice to live in a distracted condition instead of living attentive to the voice of God. So then Joseph was able to live attentive to the voice of God. So it appears that discouragement and heart sickness weren't a major distraction for him because he mastered what Potiphar taught him. Wishing for the future can also be a distraction. Hoping for things that you don't have yet can often be a distraction. The Bible says if you desire something, let your request be made known unto God, period. Just one time. And then live in his peace from them then on in. You don't live in a constant state of where is it? How come I don't have it yet? Uh, what am I doing wrong? That's always a, you know, a rhetorical question. We don't want God to answer that one. Because he'll tell you, quit bugging me about it. Amen. That's what you're doing wrong. So we have to have to understand when we're engaging in non-now activities. You know, the activities you're engaging in have nothing to do with the now purpose of your life and how to live in the now. So wishing can be a distraction. Hoping for things can be a distraction. Now Joseph may have had these times and we don't doubt that he did. But he did not live there. He found life with the Spirit of God. Once you find life, hold on to life. Once you find an activity that brings you a certain level of rejoicing and gladness in God and you know God approves of it, then stay with that activity. Perhaps being a slave forced him to seek God. Just like difficulties force everybody to cry out to God. Out of that came relationship with God. He's probably so fearful for his life on a regular basis that he was close to God on a continual basis. And God taught him things. So in Genesis 37, I think it is. Might be 39 already. Ah, 39 verse 1. <clears throat> Potiphar, who was actually, he was a captain of the guard of the Egyptians. Now, many times we think, because we're not in a situation of our choosing, that God has nothing to do with what's going on in it. Um, the fact that he can take everything and turn it into your good means that he's working in every situation in our lives no matter how devastating it is never make God the author of everything that happens in your life 
or you'll be confused on how to pray for it to change. You, you got me? Don't say God did this or God had me do this. Like you'll have people who will say, well, um, uh, God told me to get that divorce or God got me out of that marriage. What's going to happen when he tells you to reconcile with that person? Or what's going to happen if, say, for instance, you decide to marry somebody else later down the line? Is God going to tell you to leave that one too? See, once you make God the author of evil and make him responsible for everything, make him the author of everything that happens in your life, you're going to have some problems somewhere down the line with identifying where he's working. So your activities in the now have to do with correctly identifying where God is and what he's doing and how he's doing it. And so here Potiphar takes Joseph into his household as a slave. And in verse 1 he says he was an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian. And he bought him from the Ishmaelites whom the brothers had sold him to. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. And so this is the purpose of living in the now. Is so that you can prosper. If you can gear your now life around God. What am I to learn here? What am I to do out of what I learn here? How am I to put this to use for you? That should be your 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 quest that should be your your uh, query before God that should be your questioning of God God what do I learn because what you what what he's done is placed his kingdom within us and we don't know anything about it you know it's like living in a town and you're a stranger And nobody ever takes you around and shows you what this is and that is and all of this kind of stuff. It's the same thing is if we get born again, get spirit filled, whatever we we get from God. And then we go on living our life in the natural. You're a stranger to his kingdom. But what he wants to do is take you and show you the do's and the don'ts, the ins and the outs. How to master your life according to kingdom principles and kingdom rules. Amen. So your question should be, God, what am I going to learn today? What are you teaching to me today? What are you showing me today? And many people fail life because they don't take advantage of their now experiences. See, there's things we're to learn in the now. That if we are focused on this thing over here, that this isn't right in my life, and that's not right in my life, and I should have this, and I should have that. No, 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 no. You won't get it. We're around wealthy people all the time, and we never recognize their wealth. Because it's internal. It's not external. We can be drawing from wealth that's within other individuals all the time. You, when you look, think about wealth, everybody thinks material money and, and paycheck and how could I get more? Your wealth will be drawing from. I'll, I'll, I'll think about people. When I was a little girl, there was a lady that lived, uh, in an apartment. We had an apartment that was 
two stories. And if you lived on the second floor, you had one porch that went across every door and then you had to go down the stairs to get downstairs if you went out that way. But you can go and knock on the neighbor's door. You know, my mother would send us over there. Go down there to Miss McQuaters and, and knock on the door and, and ask her if she needs anything or so she was an elderly lady. And I would go in there sometimes and sit and talk to her until she got tired of listening to me. You understand what I'm saying? My mother would call, what are you down there bugging her for? What the hell wants you down there bothering her? You know, parents be careful when you separate children from trustworthy adults that they're drawn to or people, significant people. People do it all the time. Parents, they don't want, if their parent don't get along, they don't want the other one to have anything to do with the kid. You see, and and we can distance in the now because of now uh, emotions and discouragements. We'll disconnect now activities and experiences that can enrich people, that can help them, that can uh, develop them further because we don't know how to recognize wealth. Sometimes wealth is packaged in a grumpy package. But there's wealth there anyway. You know, what are you packaged in? And what do you have to offer? And so many times we'll miss the day of our visitation and the now experiences God has for us because we're focused so on the material, what we don't have and what we lack and what we this, that and the other that we don't pick up the things that we're supposed to have. I know there are many people who will say things like, well, my parents fought all the time, and but there was a nice family down the street, and I used to go there. That that probably saved their life at that time, because there was a now thing going on that was rich, that there was some wealth there that they could partake of and they could receive of. So look for wealth in people. Look for things that God values in people. I don't care if they're sinners. If they're sinners, they can have things in them that are value uh, to others. And so we can't write anybody off as, as not being a valuable person and not being a person. Uh, but, but these are now experiences. These are things that are occurring to us right now. The only moment you have is now. You don't have tomorrow yet. And you can't, certainly can't go back and grab the past. And so if we'll learn to learn in the now, the now experiences are mostly for learning, for learning purposes. So here it says the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. God's favor in your life and God's presence in your life, God choosing to work with you is your prosperity. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Now this man's a sinner. He's an Egyptian. Cult worshiper. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hands. So Potiphar knew it wasn't because of him. He knew that there was something different about this kid. And Joseph found grace in his sight and served him. He didn't try to run things. Avoid the temptation to when you get commendation, when you get encouragement, 
just to receive it as a confirmation that you're on the right road. But stay on the road. Don't try to take over everything and take advantage of where you're at. You got me? Many times people mess up there now by overestimating their importance in a situation. You know, uh, you're still learning. Stay in that place of still learning. When you've learned enough to go do something different, God will let you know. He'll be the first one to release you from something because he's grooming you for something that he can can have you do in the future and do more of. And so here God has blessed him. Uh, uh, it says the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon everything that he had in the house and everything that he had in the field. So God looked at Joseph's job as though Joseph owned it. You know, people people bug me sometimes. They don't own anything. God blesses them to be in a place where they're comfortable, they're cared for, where way beyond their material means to do it themselves. And they're critical of it. I'll be glad when I get out of here. I'll be glad when I... Well, you're missing your now. Because if you're grumbling, you need to study that person and find out what are they doing that caused them to get where they are. Now, we used to be taught, when I was a, a kid, we were taught that. We were taught that that if somebody had more than you, you need to find out what they are doing and how they do it and start repeating those things. If you if you can get their time and they'll show you a few things, learn how to be around successful people. Yeah. We weren't allowed to spend time with kids who were dropouts. We weren't allowed to spend time with kids who had detention all the time. You, you just, your parents always separated you from the wrong influence. And so your now activities are extremely important in preparing you for your future. If you don't see it that way, you're going to miss the day of your visitation. In fact, your visitation day may not come. It may be drastically delayed. Or it may come in a way that you won't be able to enjoy it. You understand what I'm saying? It'll go off kilter if you don't learn these things. So Joseph humbled himself and he served his master. He got, got falsely accused by this man's wife because he stood in his integrity. So you will be tested by God. As to whether you've been paying attention to your now learning lessons. Amen. You will be tested. The fact that uh, uh, Joseph was tested in that this way has a lot to do with where he's going in the future. Joseph will be second in command only to Pharaoh. And that's God's design. So God has to put him through all the paces of anybody who would be in Pharaoh's court being being trained right now. So the fact that Potiphar is his boss means that he, Potiphar being a captain in Pharaoh's guard, means that he's been trained by Pharaoh. 
So Joseph really is in the Pharaoh school of ministry, but he doesn't know it. He gets a second hand. And this is one of the, um, I guess I can say cautions. Because sometimes you may think the person that God teaches you through is not that much. You know what I'm saying? Value wise. Well, they don't have this and they don't have that. You know, yada, 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 yada. But they're, they're close to God. See, that's all you need to know. So Potiphar was close to Pharaoh, which means that Joseph is getting the same training that Potiphar got to get to be high up in Pharaoh's court. So this is a training for him to be where he eventually will be. When you look at some of these situations, you'll find there's a connection to where they will eventually be. And there are times where God will have you around people and and you feel nothing but irritation. You know what I'm saying? But he has you there for a reason because if that person knows God, is close to God, and has godly character about them, then that means that it's going to pay off for you. So pay attention and allow God to work that work in you that he needs to work so that you can can get where he wants you to get. So he's the captain of Pharaoh's guard, which means that Joseph is getting um, royal teaching under Potiphar. The purpose of all of these experiences is to to develop your Christian character. Can you be patient in suffering? Can you be kind to people who don't treat you right? Can you, uh, be, um, um, the kind, can be, you be a meek person? Can you just humble yourself and allow God to move you instead of moving and, and reacting yourself? And can you do it with a good heart? Many people submit, but they're rebellious on the inside. They're resentful. They have all of these things. And so that's why the test comes to expose what's really in you. And so when God gets you tested, he wants you to pass the test. And so Joseph was tested on his Christian character, his Hebrew character, godly character, and he passed the test spiritually, but he failed in the natural. So he didn't get acquitted when he was accused. He was falsely accused and put into prison. Why is it that some people go from one test, the test at hand was bad enough, but he was living good in in Potiphar's house. He was accustomed to nice things. Now he's going to have to experience what poor people experience. He's going to have to experience what others experience. So why is this necessary? Well, if God's going to trust you with all the food in the whole known world, you've got to have compassion for people who are hungry. Because they're going to come to you and desire to be fed. And are you going to feed yourself and squander and spend it on lavish gifts for friends and so forth and so on? Or are you going to be faithful with it? That's all God wants is faithful servants. Who wants that more than anything? When we belong to God, every day has significance. 
There's no wasted days. There's no day you can just do what you want to do with. And I'm going to have a spa day. I'm going to have a me day. Uh, No. You do what God says do with your day. He's not against you going to the spa, but he chooses your spa day. You don't... You don't decide, well, I've just been working so hard and I just need to. Well, you don't know what you need. I like to have my five minutes in the bathtub. Right. I have my five minutes in the bathtub. I don't have, if I had spa money, I wouldn't give it to them. I think it's a waste. Cause everything they can do, I can jump in my bathtub and be just as happy splashing around in there and get me some bath and body works on sale. I don't pay full price against it for anything. It's against my religion. When we belong to God, every day we have relationship with Him. Amen? So those are your now activities. Our question to God is, what do you want me to learn while I'm waiting for my opportunity? Expecting my next opportunity. What am I to learn? Many times you're waiting for things in your job, your relationships, your family, whatever. And so there's always preparation for the future blessing. God is preparing you to manage well what he will place in your hands. And we see that so clearly in Joseph's life, I think. You know, there's that's the clearest thing that I can see. I said, well, this boy is blurting out that everybody's going to bow to him. He needs, number one, discretion. He needs discipline. He needs character. He needs training. He needs an occupation that are gonna, is gonna cause all this fame. You understand what I'm saying? So while he's looking at the fame of it, there's gotta be a real reason for God to show that to him. And that's gonna dictate what his everyday now will be like, is getting to that place. Every day that we live is a preparation for our eventual destination in God. Whether it's a a material blessing on this side or whether it's heaven as a permanent home. We are being prepared to get there. So there's always preparation for the future blessing. God needs to develop us. He needs to develop people. So we will be tested on what he is teaching us. Because Joseph was. So there are going to be little diversions in your life. That will test what's in you. Have you been taking notes, paying attention to God, doing the lessons on schedule the way he's told you to do? Or have you been grumbling and complaining because you don't have what you've been asking for yet? So it's up to us how we manage our nowadays. In Genesis 39.40 and starting in verse 4, we see that God was with Joseph. So where you are, what your now is, is it not as important as who is in it with you. What's important is who's in your now with you. So God was with Joseph all the time because he passed, Joseph passed God's test and God was able to prosper him in all things. He went from slavery, which was Freedom in the house but in prison to false accusation which caused deeper imprisonment. God will have to put you through the test that's necessary 
for you to get to that final vision, that dream, or that promise that he has for you. Amen. Alright, why don't we stop. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the ability to know these things that you have, really you've hidden from people who are in darkness. You know, sinners don't get to understand, appreciate these things because they don't have the faith that we have to understand them. But we can understand these things, Lord. So we appreciate you for them and we thank you for them. In Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen.